on June 9th, 12, 18 a.m., I held my wife, Brittany Knupper, as she breathed her last breath. We had gotten married a month earlier in the hospital. Her long battle with cancer was nearing its end. And we didn't know how much more time there was left. And so we wanted to make our love official and celebrate it in front of people that we cared about. Um, if you've been listening to these podcasts or reading this site for any amount of time, you've probably been following along with this story. Uh, and I know this is not the ending that any one of us wanted. Definitely not the ending I wanted. We buried her in Joshua Tree uh, Thursday. She had a natural burial. So the thing about Brittany is that she didn't want to die. Sometimes when people are terminal, they get tired of the fight and they find themselves in a state of acceptance. She did not. Right up until the end, she was holding on to hope. She held on to the belief that there would be another option that would present itself. And so, as a result, it was challenging to get from her her last wishes. I did what I could, and I got from her what I could. Uh, it was easier to get from her thoughts about a memorial service. Because it was like planning a party, so that was something that she would enjoy talking about. But as for the rest of it, it was challenging. I knew that she wanted a green burial, or a green funeral, I guess I should say. But I didn't know what it meant. It was something she had just said. And I know that she had read or seen a thing about eco-burials. There was one, I think, that had particularly intrigued her, which is that they bury you inside of an egg, and they place an acorn in there, and a tree grows from you. But we weren't able to find that in Southern California, we did not have a head start required, and I think that the cost of that was going to be prohibitive. We ended up with a natural burial, which means that she was not embalmed. She was buried at about three and a half to four feet deep, which is the ideal level for microbes to begin the process of returning her to the earth. Her grave was hand dug, so there was no machinery used. She is buried in a natural area in the Joshua Tree Desert. We planted cacti on her grave that will grow from her and with her as she returns to the earth. We also got the plot next to her for me. It was a kind of sudden decision. It was sort of on the spot, but it feels right um, that this is her final place and that mine can be right next to hers. So it's been... A little over a week since she died. And that week was a, a real... It was a real roller coaster. It had a lot of momentum to it. It just sort of moved ahead at its own pace, you know? And a lot happened. Um, there were a lot of challenges. And uh, there were a lot of people who stepped up in the most amazing ways. Including many of whom are listening to this right now. But now... A little bit more than a week after she's died, 
And about four days after I said my last goodbye to her in the desert, it's time for me to start kind of moving back into life. You know, uh, the, the previous week had just not been real life. It had been a lot of weird stuff and a lot of strange stuff. And this whole thing, by the way, is very weird. It's a very surreal experience, um, to lose your soulmate because even though I watched her die and held her as she died, and even though I buried her and we buried her by the way, in a shroud and the shroud was wrapped around her and placed inside of a wicker carrying basket and garlands of flowers were laid on top of her. But the shroud, as we put it into the ground, looks like a person. And the best image I can kind of give you is imagine an elven princess being brought to a funeral pyre in a, in a fantasy story, which I think she would have absolutely loved, by the way. But it was challenging. It was challenging to see what was clearly the form of my love. Anyway, I'm rambling here. It's a heavy week, but I have to get back into the world now. And one of the ways I'm getting back into the world is to uh, return to the podcast here. Uh, Derek and I have already recorded an episode of Watchmen about The Flash. We were both in the same room. Never happened, so we decided we had to get it done. The sound quality might not be ideal. We only had one mic, so um, I wasn't going to buy a second mic just for this one event. Um, but it's important for me to get back. It's healing. It's good. Um, and she loved being in the room and listening to these podcasts get recorded. It was a thing that she really, really liked. So before we get back to that, I just wanted to take a moment here to talk to you guys about her and about this. And I wanted to share with you the eulogy that I wrote and delivered at her funeral. And I don't know how to tell you about her. Um, she was born on Valentine's Day in 1986. She was born in a small town of Arroyo Grande. Uh, well, maybe not in Arroyo Grande, but she lived there uh, most of her life on the central coast of California. And um, she was always different. She was always strange. You know, in a small town, she was a very unique kid. There's a picture of her that I love that really sums up what I love about Brittany. And it's a picture of her as a little kid. And she was already a musical theater nut this early in life. She's maybe nine years old, eight years old in this picture. And she had her mom make a Phantom of the Opera Halloween costume for her. And because Brittany was nothing if not attentive to detail, she also made her mother put burn makeup on the, her face underneath the Phantom mask. So that if she did take off the phantom mask at any point in the night, she would remain in character as the phantom. And so nobody in town knew what the fuck she was. I mean, nobody that was living where she lived knew what she was. Just did not know. But she didn't care. And so for her, and what what makes it so her is this celebration of a thing that she loves. She doesn't care if anybody else gets it. She embodies it for herself. Um, and she shares her enthusiasm. And her goal was not to make sure that everybody got what she was putting down, but being open to the right people getting what she was putting down. Um, you know, later on in life, she uh, began doing burlesque. And her burlesque was strange. She did a Scrooge McDuck burlesque. She did a Dune burlesque where she came out on stage as a sandworm. 
stripped away the sandworm and revealed herself as Paul Atreides. Uh, she had a whole bunch of different ones. She liked to play with gender. She liked to do a lot of burlesque as male characters. Um, she was f- so funny. So funny. And one of the hardest things for me is knowing the idea that she's... Her mind was always going. And the idea that it's not now is so challenging for me. Anyway, I can't sum up who Brittany is in a little off-the-cuff podcast here. And as you'll hear in the eulogy, I also could not do it in print or in a speech, in a written speech. But I wanted to share this with you. Um, and I want to be open with you guys when it comes to the next journey that I have going on. The, um, the challenges and the grief that I'm going to be facing and uh, the ways that I am going to be dealing with that. And I, much the same way that I was very public about my sobriety, um, I want to be a little bit public about this because I think this is something we don't talk about a lot. And the reality is it's something we're all going to experience if we live long enough. So it probably is something we should be talking about much more often. Anyway, here is the eulogy for Brittany Knupper. Brittany did not lose her battle with cancer. She beat it in the way that is the most important. She didn't let it take away her spark, her spirit, her soul. She was, every day, herself. And by being herself, that means she was full of love, full of humor, and full of kindness. We met in 2019. We both had baggage. Mine was that I am a recovering alcoholic with a dark history. And hers was a rare form of cancer. Fancy cancy, she called it. She saw me for the man I have become, and I saw her for the woman she always was. A bright, shining beacon of decency and strength. I fell in love with her on that first date. I knew I wanted to be with her forever. Forever has come too soon. She's gone, and yet somehow the world still turns. The sun has risen and set as if nothing happened. The cosmic order still goes on, and that doesn't seem right. How could that be right? How could everything have not stopped to mark the passing of the most beautiful soul I have ever encountered on this earth? Here's the thing. She wouldn't want it to stop. That's all me. I'm the dramatic one. She wouldn't want to inconvenience anyone if the cosmic order halted. She'd be embarrassed about people making a fuss. It's funny that she's like that because she was also, she thrived on stage. She had such a big personality, among other big things. And she was at home in front of an audience, shaking her butt and cracking the corniest jokes you could imagine. She was the best kind of karaoke which means that she couldn't really sing all that well, but she gave it all her heart. And what a heart. My God, I thought I knew love, but I didn't even have an inkling of what love was until I met her. I hope that you have the opportunity in this life to experience the kind of roaring, unconditional love that she gave me effortlessly every day. She knew the secret of love, which is that it's infinite, and you don't have to hoard it, and you can give it away all the time. And she did. I mean, she was born on Valentine's Day. How much more perfect could you get? 
I'm supposed to be up here telling you about her, but how is that even possible? How do I contain this woman in words? It can't be done. Which is ironic because she was so good with words, but she was too complex and too deep for me to do her justice in this little eulogy. Like her, I am a writer, and I will spend the rest of my life writing about her. Because it will take the rest of my life to even begin capturing the shape of who she was and what made her the most incredible human being I have ever known. And it will take the rest of my life to deal with this loss. She was my soulmate, which means I feel like half my soul is gone. It's impossible to imagine a world without her. Implausible that I'm going to wake up in an empty apartment. Just me and Gus, a.k.a. Mr. Baby, she called him, and go about my life. But I'm going to because that's how we honor her. She's gone too soon, and that means every minute we get that she doesn't get needs to be lived like she would live it. With humor, with grace, with patience, with strength, and with compassion. We need to make up for the love the world lost when she left and is going to take every single person here loving as hard as they can to even begin matching how much Brittany loved every day. All right, well, <laughs> as you could tell, I'm a little emotional. And uh, I just wanted to share this with you guys. And I wish that I could have shared her more with you guys. I wish that I had had her on more podcasts. She guessed it a little bit. And you could hear in the background sometimes she'd cough or, or she'd laugh. And you could definitely catch a hint of that. But I do wish that I had had her on more. But I'm going to tell you something. You know, I have some regrets. You know, um, if I had known how this year was going to go, she got, she got very sick at the beginning of the year, and it was a decline for six months until she passed. If I had known how this year was going to go, I think I would have done some things differently last year. She always wanted to take me up to Santa Cruz to her old stomping grounds where she went to school, and I just kept putting it off. But I'm going to tell you one thing I don't have any regrets about, which is that I don't regret I don't have that thing that people sometimes have when someone dies where they feel like they wish they had said something to her, to that person. I don't have that. I I was very vocal with her about how much I loved her, and I made sure that she knew it. And every, every single day, every day, I went out of my way. And I would just sneak it in. Sometimes I would we'd be sitting on the couch watching TV, and i go, oh, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you earlier, um... I love you. I love you so much. And I did it every day. And I feel really good about that. And I told her how important she was to me. And I thanked her for being in my life every day. And then, of course, Brittany <laughs> being being the stoic. So I'm the emotional Italian. She was the stoic German. We were our own little axis here. Uh, as the stoic German, I would say these things. And she'd go, oh, me too. <laughs> or she'd go, same. And I love that. Um but I know how much she loved me, and I she knew how much I loved her. I love her still. And so I guess my one thing is to tell you I feel good about this. I'm not coming to you from a place of regret saying, hey, let me warn you. I'm coming to you from a place of I feel like I did it right, and I want to tell you guys how good it feels when among all the grief and all the pain there is this knowledge that at least this one thing was right and that she did know how much I loved her. 
All right. Well, this has gone on long enough. We'll be back again um, with an episode of Watchmen tomorrow. I'm going to give this a little bit of space to be its own thing. And then we'll have uh, Marvel Vision, which is going to return at the end of the week. Secret Invasion begins on Wednesday. I cannot wait to begin watching it. It's amazing how much this meaningless bullshit makes a big difference to me in these times, the comfort that I get. get. Uh, We're going to talk about this probably on the next episode of The Bad Batch, but in the week between her death and the funeral, I had a little bit of free time, and I made my father and my brother go with me out to Disneyland to go to Galaxy's Edge. Being in Star Wars was so soothing to me, and it really made a difference. These things are dumb, and they're commercial, and they're crass, but they mean something to us, and I, I do want to honor and recognize that. And you mean something to me. Thank you guys so much for being here. So many of you guys stepped up in major ways. I don't know what the future looks like. I lost my job at the beginning of this year because I had to take care of her. And my day job would not give me time off. So I just had to leave. And so I'm right now, this is what I do (laughs) right right now. And I'm going to figure it out as I go along. One thing I'm dedicated to doing at least in the next few weeks or months as I try to figure out what's happening next is put more energy and effort into these podcasts and this Patreon and get more regular with the stuff that we deliver. Um, This past year has been really challenging because we've been in and out of the hospital so much. There were so many crises, so many emergencies that got in the way of talking about the Clone Wars. Um, But it looks to me like things are settling down now. And I'll be able to be more regular and get these things out on a more ti- in a more timely fashion. Anyway, this is a sad thing, and I'm sorry that I have spent 20 minutes of your life being sad <laughs> into a microphone. But you guys are a big part of my life, and I love and care about every single one of you. And I guess that's the whole message, man, is just get out there and let people know that you love them. Because you're going to feel really good about it. In the end, it's going to feel really, really right. All right, so I will talk to you guys again later. In the meantime, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be well. But most of all, may you be full of love. And most of all, may I hold on to everything that Brittany taught me.